2: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
1: On Mother's Day, May 8th, 2016... 34-year-old Chris Fowler set out on the Pacific Crest Trail, a 2,653-mile hike stretching from Mexico to Canada. Chris's journey took him through the desert of California, the heights of the Sierra Nevada Mountains, and the thick forests of the Pacific Northwest. But on October 12th, with less than 400 miles to go on the trail... Chris, who had stopped in Packwood, Washington for supplies, set off to resume the PCT near White Pass in the Cascade Mountain Range with a storm moving in. People would later claim the storm was one of the biggest Washington State had experienced in decades. The storm was so intense that it brought snow to the high mountaintops of Mount Rainier and the surrounding area. As other hikers left the trail to wait for better weather, Chris set off into the dense Washington wilderness with the storm on his heels and seemingly vanished into the thick underbrush of the Pacific Northwest. This is the Missing and Unexplained Podcast with me, Tyler Hooper.
2: I mean, it was probably when Sally contacted me that I really got worried. Because before then, there are little inklings of worry, but it was completely normal for him to go for, say, a week without being in touch with anyone. But the fact that he hadn't been in touch literally with anyone, finding that out made me really worried. And the more time that passed, it just got worse.
1: After training and prepping for their epic hike, Chris and Colin flew to Los Angeles on May 7th and started the trail the following day. The start of their hike was complicated and a little convoluted. They couldn't start at the southern terminus, so they started about 100 miles north near Warner Springs and had to hike back to the southern terminus before they could head north.
3: It was kind of an odd start to our hike because we were passing through hikers heading north and they kind of looked at us weird <laughs> They were like, What are you I'm like, What are you guys doing? and then I, I got I just got tired of explaining it after a while to, to the through hikers that we met so I just kind of like stopped telling people what we were doing. <laughs> so you know, it was uh, it was weird and then they just drove us back up to Warner Springs and we started from there and went north
1: again. Chris and Colin spent the first few days of their hike getting their trail legs underneath them. Colin says it was nice to be out in the wilderness, enjoying the trail, distracted by the exercise and the evening camp logistics.
3: Going back a little bit, first of all, um, I had mentioned that both Chris and I had gone through uh, divorces um, and we tend to internalize a lot of stuff. We... We just, I guess, we didn't really, we didn't talk a whole lot that first week and a half. We just sort of, uh, you know, enjoyed the sunrises. We enjoyed sunsets. We, um, we sat down and cooked our meals together and stuff like that. We sort of, you know, bounced ideas off each other a little bit as far as like camp setup and stuff like that. But I mean, really. Really, no deep conversations whatsoever. It was just sort of, you know, out there enjoying the wilderness and sort of getting our our uh, our trail legs, if you will, and really trying to get things dialed in. There's a lot of we both did a lot of experimentation on like bandaging up our feet and stuff like that, and <laughs> doing things that are um, that a lot of people who are just starting the trail do, as far as like trying to take care of blisters and hot spots and, uh, joint pain and stuff like that. So, um, there was just kind of a lot of that going on and we we honestly just didn't talk a whole lot. We
1: just sat and enjoyed and that was kind of nice. It became apparent pretty quickly that both men were hiking at different paces. Colin was faster in part because he had a wedding he needed to make it to in the fall. And Chris was slower. He meandered off the trail to take pictures and soaked in as much as he could.
3: You know, I I could tell, like after a, a little of a week of hiking with him, that um, that we were definitely at, at different paces. Like I was, I don't know that I was, I got, I, I was faster. I'll just say that I was faster, and I I also kind of had a kind of a, a deadline to meet as well. Cause my friend was getting married, uh, in, um, September 25th of, of that year. So I wanted to be done with the trail uh, a few days before that so that I could, uh, fly to uh, Vermont to, to attend his wedding. So, um, so I kind of had more motivation, whereas he was more like, I'm just going to enjoy this experience with absolutely no, um, no deadlines, no expectations, just be 100% in the moment. And, um, I definitely admired that side of it. Um, uh, the thing that, that I was a little concerned about, and I think I expressed it once or twice to him, was like, uh, you know, you, you gotta have a little bit of a deadline. Not, not that you have to be anywhere, but like, you just have to be
1: done with this before you know the, the crappy weather hits and along the trail somewhere in southern california near Idlewild, chris and colin decided they would start hiking on their own during the day and try and meet up when they could in the evening they had different speeds and different goals and they had never planned to hike the entire trail together it was inevitable that the two would find their own rhythm and meet other people on the trail to hike with
3: uh, you know i don't even know if uh if we came out and like said, Oh, Hey, let's just, you know, hike our own hike here. It was just sort of an unsaid thing. I don't even remember if one of us said anything about it or not. I'm sure one of us said, Hey, we'll just, you know, see you at the next town or something like that. Um, but it it just sort of gradually kind of went like that. Like, um, you know, I would, I would hike a little further ahead or, You know, I'd take a little rest under a tree and he'd just kind of walk past me and keep going. And so we we did a little bogging there, but um, yeah, ultimately we just sort of, it just ended up happening. We just started like hiking our own hike.
1: One of the earlier encounters Chris had on the trail was with a Korean film crew working on a documentary. Sally Fowler was kind enough to let me use some of the audio from the footage. In the clip you're about to hear, Chris describes how he got his trail name Sherpa, how he's enjoyed the trail so far, and the current state of his feet. Chris hiked in sandals, which was rather unique, and I think it's one of the reasons the film crew was so interested in him.
0: So, can you tell me your name and where you're from? Yeah, so um, my trail name is Sherpa. Uh, My real name, I guess, back home is Chris, Um, from the Dayton, Cincinnati, Ohio area. And I started the trail on Mother's Day, May 8th. So it's been a fantastic experience so far. How did you get the trail name? Um, so I got the trail name Sherpa when I was coming through the town of Idlewild. And there was a couple of other hikers just coming straggling through into town and looking kind of weary. So started talking to them. And, and I uh, was telling them where the restaurants were and where the um, grocery store was and I saw them again later in town they said, there's our Sherpa. So I just kind of stuck. So... Aren't you tired? You walked for a month now. What's that? You you walked for a month and a half. Aren't you tired? No, no, I feel pretty good. I mean, um, you know, I think like a lot of other folks and sucking air for lack of oxygen at some of the altitude. But uh, there, other than that, I um, feel pretty good. I mean, my legs feel good. Um, I've had a few blisters like everybody else, um, a couple ankle sprains, but rather than that, I feel good, so. Do you still have blisters? Um, not really. I mean, for the most part, they've dried out. Um, you know, hiking in sandals, I kind of expected to get some blisters, but for the most part, they've kind of dried out and turned into calluses, so it's worked out really well. Um, I get a lot of people that ask me about hiking in sandals, and and um, I really like the, the freedom. I like, I like being able to feel every step and every rock that's under my foot. I feel like it gives me more control of when I'm hiking and when I'm walking. And So I've got, uh, got over 700 miles in these babies, so... It's probably going to be time to replace them here pretty soon, but they've, they've treated me pretty well. But you so saw you never wore shoes. No, I don't wear shoes. So next time you pl- replace them, are you going to... Yeah, I'll replace, replace them with another person of Yeah. So when everybody else is walking through the streams, doing the stream crossings and worrying about you know their shoes getting wet, I just walk right through them and move on. So it's pretty good. 때, yeah, yeah. 싶은... You, never, you never had a thought you know giving up it's oh, yeah I mean there's been days where you know things you know it's tough and you're tired and exhausted but I mean you just gotta have to keep pushing on and remember why you're out here and and I mean it's 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 days like this and vistas that you get to see every day that really that really motivate me to I keep going so so why are you out here? this i mean to to meet people that i've never met from other countries and the camaraderie of you know sitting around a campfire in the middle of the night with a bunch of people trading stories and and just you know getting these views i mean these views are incredible i mean i'm from the midwest you know you you know about the midwest it's pretty flat there's a lot of farmland so it's a it's a different uh different change of scenery it's gorgeous out here
1: If you want to watch and listen to the full unedited footage, you can do so on the Bring Chris Fowler Home Facebook page. There's a link in the description. Another person Chris met on the trail was a woman named Amber, also known as Ultraviolet, the trail name given to her because of her purple gear. Amber was originally supposed to hike the trail with another person, but ended up on the trail alone. She was nervous about the experience, but happy to be in the outdoors and meeting people like Chris.
2: I met Chris The Kennedy Meadows Resort, which there are two places called Kennedy Meadows that you pass through when you're hiking the PCT. There's one on the south end of the Sierras and on the north end. And we met at the one on the north end, which is kind of like the fancy one. Um, And I was just sitting around at a picnic table with a bunch of other hikers I knew. And we were drinking beer and hanging out and showed up, he had just, I think he had just hitchhiked in, and, um, or maybe you walk into that one, that's sad that I can't remember, but uh, anyway, Chris showed up, and I remember thinking, this is like the stereotype of a male through hiker, because he was just skinny, dirty, bearded, and just like uh like the perfect example of a thru hiker uh and he got some food got something to drink and sat down with us and i had my ukulele out and was playing ukulele and singing and uh he thought that was cool and yeah so we just we just hit it off pretty much right away
1: As Chris and Amber hit it off, they ended up spending the next couple of months hiking together. Amber says Chris wasn't competitive. He was definitely a stop-and-smell-the-roses type hiker. She was faster than him and would often have to stop and wait for him, sometimes for hours. But she enjoyed hiking and spending intimate time with Chris. He
2: loved nature. It was a very spiritual experience for him. Um, He was just very adventurous and appreciated having the freedom to be able to do that hike and even day to day he just loved the freedom to stop and do yoga or stop and take pictures of the landscapes. uh he was just very open with how he spent his time out there he was stubborn too (laughs) oh just nobody could really tell him what to do He had his own way of doing things. He was funny. He was definitely funny. But um, I just, I think I loved his sense of adventure and how he leaned into discomfort. Meeting someone and becoming their hiking partner is just very intense. It, It really is like going on a first date and then the next day, you move in together and you're living together. It's knowing someone very intimately, but only in this particular set of circumstances. Like, I, I have no idea what his routines were like in his regular life. Like, if he woke up to an alarm or whether he had coffee every morning could hike two miles and I knew how he set up a tent that's actually part of what made it so easy to connect with him everyone on the trail is together in this crazy thing that we're doing where we're taking six months out of our life to go hang out outside so it's just so easy to connect with people you're you're all inflicted with the same insanity
1: After months of being on the trail, Amber began to miss home. She started thinking of leaving the trail, but Chris wanted to continue. He was determined to see it through to the end. After Chris was finished, he and Amber talked about maybe going to Thailand to teach together. Amber's decision to leave the trail was an emotional one, but she didn't think it would be the last time she'd see Chris, nor the end of their relationship.
2: I had been homesick for a while when I decided to go home, and it was early October and we were in northern Oregon into southern Washington, and the weather was just rainy every day and not warm. And it was just, I found it unpleasant. Um, Like I said, I'm a a humid, cold wimp, so rain takes a lot out of me. And the, the night of October 5th, we actually camped at a place where it was snowing further up in the mountains and we could see it snowing. And that was the point at which I was just done. And it was, we had talked about it. I had talked to Chris about feeling like it might be time for me to go home. And that's, it's pretty late in the season to still be out there. Um, Part of it was we started kind of late starting in May, and neither one of us was all that fast. It was just really late, and um, we had hiked from Trout Lake, or I should say we got a ride to the PCT from Trout Lake, Washington, and we hiked about eight miles north from there, And that was where we camped and where I decided ultimately to head home. Um, We woke up on the morning of October 6th, and I told him that I had decided that. And we were sad to say goodbye. We were sad that it was over, but he definitely wanted to keep going. He was excited to push himself and try hiking in the cold and snow yeah so we parted very amicably and remembering back I don't think I even said goodbye to him I think I said see you soon because we had planned to meet up again after he was done hiking I was worried about him being alone but at the same time there was just no way in my mind that something like this could happen. It just, it's something that happens in movies or it's something that happens to other people. It's not something that happens to people I know. Um, and I did actually make him promise that he would activate his spot tracker in the next town that he got to. And he didn't. But I, yeah, I. That's probably the thing that I went over in my head the most that I wish I had done differently. Because he got that spot tracker from a family friend and just hadn't paid the annual fee to activate it. And I wish I had just paid for it.
1: Once off the trail, Amber and Chris still stayed in touch. They primarily communicated through email and Facebook messages. Amber says Chris seemed to be enjoying the trail, even though he clearly missed her.
2: Yeah, he, um, he did seem like he was still enjoying it. He said, uh, another hiker who was getting off the trail had given him a tent, which was really good because he didn't actually have a tent. He had a hammock, which, if it's rainy and snowy, is not really going to do it. Um... But yeah, he said, I remember him messaging me that he missed his siren of the forest and I messaged back, I miss my sunshine.
1: The last string of messages Amber would exchange with Chris was on or around October 12th. It wasn't until she heard from Sally that she really started to worry.
0: Hello, nerds. Come listen to the History Nerds United podcast, and let's make history fun again. We interview today's best authors, whether they are established Pulitzer Prize winners or someone debuting their first book. Let us show you that history is not a boring class you took in high school, but a place where the best stories come from. And we don't just cover history. We also love to chat about true crime, biographies, memoirs, and so much more. So head on over to History Nerds United, and let us introduce you to your new favorite book and learn the story behind the story.
1: History.
2: when Sally contacted me that I really got worried because before then there are little inklings of worry but it was completely normal for him to go for say a week without being in touch with anyone Um, but the fact that he hadn't been in touch literally with anyone finding that out made me really worried and The more time that passed, it just got worse.
1: Sally had made Chris promise that he'd be in touch with her or his dad every two weeks, no matter what, no excuses. It was an agreement, and he had to honor it.
5: We we both started getting kind of worried when we wouldn't hear from him, and his dad was really worried. And um, there was one time where he kind—I of, got a gut feeling in June that we hadn't heard from him. I just didn't feel like something was right. And I didn't know there was these Facebook groups or anything following, none of that. And I started trying to get in touch with him, couldn't get in touch with him. And he, he, he delivered, I don't know what the number is, I want to say 20 packages, uh, supply packages to himself throughout the trail, and which is a normal thing they do. And he sent us a list, both of us had emailed, and he said, here are the places I'm delivering my packages to. They had the ETAs of when he expected to arrive at each place along the way in case we wanted to send a package to or so we could kind of track his journey, that kind of thing. And so I called, because I had sent him a package uh, to the next place he was supposed to get to, so I called the place I thought he was supposed to be at next, and he I called the previous place. He'd picked up a package there. I called the next place. He had not picked up his package. I called the place after that. I had not picked up his package. So I was kind of worried. And a couple days later, a few days later, he he called me and he said, "Hey, I'd just been out of range. I got a little twisted around in a canyon. I went off trail to go take some pictures because he's an amateur photographer, and um, he he went off trail because." He was just kind of stopping to smell the roses along the way, and uh, taking pictures. And he loved finding things that he thought maybe nobody had ever seen before, taking a picture of. He just he had a very interesting eye. And he got twisted around, and he was, but he was fine. I bushwhacked his way out. He said, and got back on the trail, and I said, well, I, I, I said, well, he said, well, I just got to so and so, and I found messages that said hey call your mom and he said he said hey don't do that <laughs> and uh I said well I tell you what you you uh he said uh, here's what he said exactly he said I'm a gr-, he said you're my mom and I love you but I'm a grown-ass man and I'm out here trying to figure things out and and uh just get away from everything so um uh, chill out will ya and I said I was kind of taken aback, and I said Okay, I will I'll, I, I won't I won't reach out to you, but here's the, here's the deal. You have to call me or your dad, one of us exactly every two weeks, Facebook post, private message, text, phone call, one of the two of us and we'll tell each other when you do so that we know you're okay, or I am going to call those places. And he said, you have a deal.
1: Sally said as Chris communicated with her on the trail, he seemed the happiest he'd been in a really long time. He was embracing the adventure and soaking it all in.
5: It seemed like he was the happiest I'd heard him in years. Um, he seemed to be his old self again. He'd, gotten, he'd, gotten, he'd just gotten quite serious um, a few years there. His other friends had noticed him, too. He's just more serious. And he was... Um, he he was just more of his old self. He was having a good time. He loved, he absolutely loved it. He couldn't talk more about it, uh, being great and the people he had met. He never, he was tired and sometimes, and it was harder than he thought sometimes, I think. But he was, he loved every minute of it. He met a young lady along the way that they became good friends and they would hike, uh-oh, drop my earbud. They would hike, a few days together, and then they would, would not. You know, again, he wasn't there to hike specifically with anyone. So he talked about her a little bit, and just told me he was always he was always about the, um, the sights he saw. He just he just couldn't get over. Oh, you wouldn't believe what I saw today. Or, you can't get over this beauty. You would love it out here, Sally. You would love it. It's gorgeous. And he'd send me a picture and said, I wonder if anybody's ever laid eyes on this before. I went off trail today.
1: The last time Sally spoke with Chris was shortly before Amber decided to head home from the trail. As the days went by and fall started to fully move in, Sally and Chris's father started to have an inkling that something wasn't right.
5: And then the last time I spoke to him was September 30th. He had made a post on Facebook, so I knew he was available I just happened to see it and I sent him a text and he called me and he was just getting to Washington state and I said so are you still going to Canada he said that's the that's the goal and I said okay I don't know a lot about it but it seems like it's getting late he said yeah he said we're we're ready for it and it's going to be beautiful and he, did, he his stomach had been bothering him at that point he told me it hadn't felt good for a couple of weeks and I found out later they had whatever that is you get yeah uh, there's a name for it on the trail when your stomach's really bothering you and you haven't probably been eating right drinking enough and dysentery and all that other stuff so um but it, it was it was behind him now he said they'd gotten past it both of them had it his lady friend was thinking about leaving the trail and he was kind of bummed out about that. She was thinking about going back home. Um, because she didn't really want to hike Washington in the fall in, you know, October. And, uh, so he was trying to consider, he was trying to talk her into staying. And we talked about that a little bit, you know, like, whatever it is that you do, that you, you're doing this for you. Remember that and type of thing. And then he, um, then I never, that's the last I ever
1: talked to him. On the next episode, we trace Chris's final days and hours before he vanished into the Pacific Northwest.
2: Yeah, we were already hiking in the snow and there was supposed to be, all, all, over the last week or so, people just kept talking about this big storm that was rolling in and so all the talk among, amongst us was like, what's our plan? Are we going to and are we going to continue to hike? Are we going to try to hike through this storm? Um, we were at that point, really. We were kind of far from the border. I don't know the, you know, how how many miles or anything. We were pretty far from the border. We we're pretty far from finishing. And with this big storm coming in, you know, it was unlikely that we were going to be able to continue to hike as we had been.
1: If you know anything about Chris's disappearance, please contact the Yakima County Sheriff's Office at 509-574-2500, or message Chris's stepmother, Sally Guyton Fowler, on Facebook. For those of you who have subscribed to the Patreon, thank you. If you haven't, please consider checking it out and supporting the podcast. I'm also donating 25% of all Patreon funds to the Fowler O'Sullivan Foundation until August 1st. As always, thanks for listening to the Missing and Unexplained podcast with me, Tyler Hooper.
4: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more